Good morning. How are you? Are you sure? Amen. All right. Well, we uh, celebrated Bill Matthews' life yesterday. And if you were here, can you amen how wonderful that was? My goodness. I've never heard so many eulogies in all my life. It was great. It made me wish I'd been here 10 years ago. I couldn't know any better than golf with him a little bit, you know? Man. If you have your Bible open in the Gospel of Luke, that's where we'll be. Today we're going to look at the birth of John the Baptist. Poor old Zachariah. What's been up with him the past year? What's been going on with him? Y'all remember? Mute, yeah. Yeah. Didn't believe. Uh, didn't believe, and the angel struck him with muteness. So for... We know the pregnancy lasted nine months, but this was when the announcement happened. So chances, chances are it's probably somewhere around a year that Zechariah has been mute. So uh, I don't know that, that we need to go back real far uh, in chapter 1. It's, very, it's quite simple. I hope that you're reading and following along. The Gospel of Luke is very orderly, very organized, very straightforward. Uh, so if you miss a Sunday, all you've got to do is just, just pick your Bible up and just read. And just pick right back up from where we were. We've got this guy that our that we that we they were we're in total disagreement in how to pronounce his name that, that Luke is writing to. What's his name? See, see, Theophilus. No, I'm just kidding. Theophilus. We'll go with the up church says it's the, Theophilus. So we're gonna do what up church says. Okay. All right. Is he where is he here? Where is he? Where's up church at? Okay. John, I'm giving you a shout-out up here now. I'm doing what you told me to do, okay? Okay, all right. So leave me alone. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, so where we have been here is we, this, this orderly account that Dr. Luke is writing for us to help us understand who Jesus Christ is as the Son of God. And he gives us these two wonderful birth announcements, the birth announcement of Jesus and the birth announcement of John. And so if you look at chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, we see the birth of John the Baptist foretold. We see this wonderful occurrence, this interesting occurrence of, of Zechariah being chosen by Lot. It was a one-time opportunity for the priesthood. Not everybody got to do it. Zechariah is chosen on this day. He goes to the temple, and while he is offering incense for the temple, an angel appears in between the altar of incense and the menorah and basically tells him that his prayers have been heard and he's going to have a child. And what does he do? I'm too old. Kind of like what we do probably. I'm too old. I can't, have a, I can't have a child. I said, no, I'm the angel of Gabriel. God sent me here to tell you this. And because you have disbelieved now, you will not be able to speak until that day comes. Zechariah comes out. He informs everybody what's going on through doing sign language and stuff. Or, you know, tries to, to explain to them what's happened. And so then, then the scene passes. And the next scene we have is who? The announcement of Jesus. And that's in verse 26. And goes all the way through Mary's visit. We'll just take that all the way down to verse 56. And so we have what you, what you have privy to is the very beginning. The very beginning of the lives of the forerunner of the Son of God and the Son of God. The one true Savior of the world. I really hope that you believe that. Okay? I really hope that you don't listen to the things that you hear from higher academia these days, okay? Higher academia is good for a lot of things. They teach people how to be doctors. They teach people how to be engineers. They teach people a lot of different things. 
But the one thing they have completely missed the boat on is the fact that, th that this word that is on this podium today, on this pulpit today, and the word that you hold in your hands is 100% true. Because everybody for the past as, as hundreds of years have been trying to undermine the authority and the truth of the word of God. We don't believe that. I don't believe that or I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be spending my life, you know, being Moses trying to carry the Israelites through the wilderness, amen? I mean, you could do anything else in life and it'd be easier than preaching the gospel and trying to be, trying to be a pastor of a church. That's true, amen? Of course, y'all have never done it, so how would you know? But I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's tough. So this book is real, and that's why we're, that's why, and it contains the truth of the one that came to die for our sins, that defeated death, and that now his, his, the salvation that he brought through his death and through his resurrection is available to any that call upon his name in faith and repentance. That's why we study this. So today we look at verses 57 through 66, so if you'll join me there. Chapter 1, verses 57 through 66, and this will close out chapter 1, and we will be going to the birth of Jesus Christ on guess what Sunday? How sweet is that? That in the normal timing of the text, the, the celebration of Jesus' birth would come on Mother's Day. Y'all don't find that nearly as incredible as I do, but I find it incredible. I don't have to go dig into another book and try to, you know, beseech the Lord to give me some creative word for all of you mothers on Mother's Day. It just comes straight in the text. I've already got the commentary stuff printed out. I've already been reading it. I'm ready for you, moms. You excited about that? Woo, all right. Mother's Day. I don't know if I'm going to swing the crawfish this year for Angie, though. Last year we had a crawfish bowl on Mother's Day. I'm trying, Angie, but it's just, man, it's so expensive. Crawfish is so, can I get a witness? Who eats crawfish in here? Never mind. All right, let's get to the text. <clears throat> now the time has come. The time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no. He shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring that he wanted him to, what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid up in their hearts saying, What then will this child be? Which is the name of the message today. What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. So what we see first in this passage, if you're taking notes, Colton Ezer, you will put Gabriel's predictions are fulfilled. Gabriel, the angel that comes, we see his predictions fulfilled. So the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. So at this point, at least nine months have passed, probably longer. Her pregnancy went full term, and she gave birth to a son. Hallelujah. Amen. Who here is a grandparent? Raise your hand and shout to the heavens. Amen. Amen. Nothing better than grandchildren. Amen? Amen. Nothing better. They've been barren their whole life. Boom, they have kids. So her neighbors and relatives heard 
the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced just like you just did, rejoiced. Now what mercy had God shown to them? Well, Elizabeth had been what her entire life? Barren, yes, had been barren her entire life. And now in her, in, in Zach, her and Zechariah's old age, God gave them a son right at the end of their lives. Now, I'm gonna give you a stinger, okay? You ready for the stinger? In our culture today, you got pregnant at 80-something years old, you wouldn't be celebrating. Not in our country. Because we don't want our conveniences and we don't want our freedoms messed with. So in our country, there would have been a whole bunch of grumbling and complaining. Man, you'd have had family members calling and saying, have you lost your mind? True. We had four kids, and we had people calling us on kid number three telling us that. I'm serious. I don't understand why our culture is so anti-baby to a certain degree, but it certainly seems that way in some areas. But not with Zechariah and Elizabeth. They prayed for a child. They begged God for a child. They wanted a baby. And God not only gave them a baby, but gave them a young boy who would be the forerunner of the Messiah of Israel. Wow. So John, the Gabriel's predictions are fulfilled. Next, John is circumcised, and this is the covenant mark of God's people. Covenant mark of God's people. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. Now, we don't know who they are. You notice that in the text, they came to circumcise. We don't know who they are, but most historians believe that there was a special group of people designed for this specific purpose, and on that eighth day, they either came to the child or the child was taken to them, and then they circumcised the child. Now, we all know what circumcision is, and if you don't, uh, just ask a family member about it after service today, Amen. Let it, you know, just do it. But this was done to every Jewish male on the eighth day of life in accordance with the law of God. The mark of the flesh, this was a mark in the flesh of the covenant that was given to Abraham first and then later was put into the Mosaic law. And so if you were going to be a child of Israel, if you were going to be a male and remain an Israelite, you had to be circumcised in the flesh. Of course, I always like to point out their little bitty children, eight days old. When that happens, when Zechariah got his, how old was he? Yeah, he was a full-grown man that got circumcised. So anyway, so we have Gabriel's predictions are fulfilled. John is circumcised with a covenant mark. Next, John is named. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No. He shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by that name. So what do we see happening here? We see a little, a little peer pressure mounting over this name. Now, this doesn't seem like too big of a deal, but it really is. Because who had actually told Zechariah what the name of the child was going to be? Gabriel had. So, so, so here we go again, right? 
I'm too old to have a child struck with mutinous. His name shall be John. So now we know how the story ends. But if this is the first time of you hearing this story, you're kind of thinking to yourself, hey, are, are, are Elizabeth and Zechariah going to waffle on whether or not to name him John? And to make matters worse, now neighbors and relatives that are celebrating and happy just like we were about grandchildren, they come and they begin to, to nip at him a little bit. Name him Zechariah. Name him Zechariah. Same relatives, neighbors and friends who were rejoicing, they now mount a small campaign to try to pressure them to name the child after their family. Now, the practice of naming the child, especially a boy, after his father, that's pretty common. Would you all agree with that? Pretty common? Pretty common? Not precisely Jewish, but not unheard of with the Jews. I mean, my firstborn son, Logan... His name is Shelby Logan Hazard Jr., and we call him Logan. And that was decided the moment that we knew we were pregnant, and after about the first, I don't know, quarter or, or four or five months, we decided that he would be named Shelby Logan Hazard Jr. and call him Logan, not Jr. Nothing against being called Jr., we just want to call him Logan. So in this case, with Zechariah and Elizabeth, the friends and relatives have a little more urgency to name the child after Zechariah, especially due to the what? Their age, plus, this is kind of miraculous, is it not? So wow. I mean, Zechariah, you came through in the last, you know, season of life. I mean, you finally got a child coming. Let's name this child Zachariah. I mean, do you see the pressure there about that? I mean, that's kind of a big deal. That's why, they're, that's why they're pushing. So why would you not name him after his father? Because it was not God's will. That's why. Doesn't matter what you want, does it? In a consumeristic culture like America the Bible tells you it doesn't matter what you want what does it matter what God wants now if what you want is what God wants then hallelujah you are in God's will but that's the struggle that's the contention you will always have as long as you're in this flesh as long as you're in this body and a Christian and trying to live for him there's always going to be what you want over here and what God's will is over here and the challenge is to read your Bible and pray and become mature in Christ and slowly what will happen to those two things the gap will slowly close hopefully over time but Zechariah and Elizabeth I mean Elizabeth knew better she knew better Zechariah had been told by Gabriel what to name the child and surely even in his current state of mutinous and some go so far, some scholars go so far to say he, say he was not only mute, he was what else? Deaf, some say he was deaf as well. Surely that during all that time he was able to explain to Elizabeth what had happened somehow. And we, I think we find out how in just a second. But she said, no, he shall be called John verse 62 and they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called so they went over to to Zechariah and they're just you know they're trying to you know making I don't know what they I mean how would you how would you say I don't know how you would say that but they're making signs to him trying to get him to understand what they're trying to say and he asked for a, a writing tablet he asked for a writing tablet and he took that writing tablet and he wrote I've never done this before. This is my first time to do this. His first time too, by the way. Zechariah's first time too. Now you watch me just butcher this 
this morning. And he wrote, y'all can read it. What does it say? His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately, immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. So the neighbors and relatives then turned to Zechariah, who surely was near to Elizabeth, holding her newborn son, and made signs to him about what to name his son. Zechariah, still unable to speak, has obviously started carrying around a writing tablet so he could communicate, wrote out, his name is John. His name is John. And all of the neighbors wondered, both Elizabeth and Zechariah, in complete agreement that their son would be called John. And at that moment, friends, the second he scribbled those words on that tablet, the scripture says immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. So nearly a year of muteness, nearly a year of muteness brought to an end just as the angel Gabriel had predicted in verse 20. The angel told Zechariah, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Just as the angel had predicted it happened. So the time of Zechariah's discipline was over. And, you know, just an aside for us today, when you are outside the will of God and you disobey God as a child of God, he brings something upon your life, and that something upon your life begins with a D, and it's called discipline. And it's for your good, and it's out of love. But when that discipline works its purpose and bears fruit, of righteousness as it did in Zechariah's life, what happens to the discipline? It ends until you disobey again. And we see a living example of that in Zechariah's life. The angel struck him with mutinous because of his unbelief. Zechariah goes almost a year handicapped, learns his lesson, and when that pressure comes about what that boy's name gonna be, what does he say? John! Yeah, right, Brandon. His name is John. And then his ability is returned to him. Verse 65, then fear overcame everyone, all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout all the hill country of Judea, and all who heard them laid up in their hearts, saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. So everyone has been waiting nearly a year to see if this incredible prediction was actually going to become true. The moment of truth has come, John is born. Elizabeth barren womb is barren no more. Zechariah and Elizabeth have a son. Not only do they have a son, but this strange occurrence in the temple with Zechariah and the angel is now completely proven true. 
Zechariah really saw Gabriel. Gabriel really struck him mute. God really opened Elizabeth's womb and gave them both a son. Zacharias is now a father. Guys, you remember when you became a father for the first time? You remember that? That was a big, big day. It kind of goes, for me, salvation, married to Angie, first child born. Three biggest events in my life was when we walked in that doctor's office that day and they passed that sonogram across, across Angie's womb and I saw that little heart just going tears just from nowhere, from nowhere, just down my face. Elizabeth was now a mother. Ladies, do you remember your first child? Incredible. And their pregnancy was in the same line of Abraham and Sarah. So the sign of Zechariah's muteness is now relieved. The second Zechariah announces that his name is John just as the angel had predicted. And fear came on all their enables where that shut them down. Amen? Well, hey, you should name him Zechariah. You should name him. His name is John. And then Zechariah starts to talk and they're like, whoa! He hadn't been faking all this time. This is really strange. So God shut them all up when the man that had been unable to speak for nearly a year suddenly started talking. All eyes were on him. And then all eyes slowly turned and looked at what? That beautiful little baby boy, most likely in Elizabeth's arms. And they say, what? What shall this child angelic intervention barren womb this muteness from Zechariah now gone what is this divine intervention what shall this child be for all of us parents <laughs> parents that is the million dollar question is it not what shall this child be my parents' prayer was that he wouldn't die or be put in jail when I was, when I, after I was like a teenager. Seriously, that was their prayer. And I mean, when I came to Christ and began to, to, to serve in the church, I mean, they were the most amazed out of anybody. They couldn't believe it. But what sh shall this child be? I mean, what will my son or my daughter do with their life? What will they do? How many of y'all know who... Eddie Van Halen is. All right. A bunch of classic rockheads up in here, man. That's great. Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen was one of the most successful and well-known guitar players in the world. Would you amen that? Okay. Now, his music didn't glorify God. I'm not saying that, okay? But he was a gifted guitarist. Gifted guitarist. He died last October at the age of 65, and when I was a teenager into my early 20s, I used to sit in my pool house for hours trying to figure out how he did what he did on guitar. I mean, it was just amazing. And I don't know if you know this, Eddie Van Halen could not read music. Could not read a note of music. It was all done by ear, trained by his father in music on piano. 
Now, the reason I bring him up this morning is since he died, I've tried to catch up on his work because when I became a Christian in the late 90s, I parted ways with rock music to a large degree. So I was just curious to see what Eddie had been up to since he died, plus the fact I met him three times in one day back in 1992. It was one of the strangest, most, just one of the weirdest things. I've ever, I wasn't a Christian at the time. We were at this area, see him in a concert, and then later that evening, we literally bumped into him three times. I was as close as him. I was this microphone right here. Uh, met his wife, Valerie Bertinelli, at the time. Then they left in a limousine. I said, well, that was our brush with greatness. Then two hours later, we're walking back, and we see them eating at a restaurant and actually go over and talk to him again. So, special place. So when Eddie died, Angie will tell you, I, I actually grieved. I mean, it was just weird that, yeah, I mean, I mean, I knew him. He didn't know me, but I did meet him several times. And so I, I found a video of a lengthy interview he did with the Smithsonian back in 2017, what it means to be American. And this is what grabbed my heart to hear this from this man, the reason why I'm putting him in this today was at the end of that interview, Eddie was asked this by the people that attended the meeting. They lined up and they had question cards. And one guy, the very last question before the thing closed out, this man asked Eddie Van Halen who he would want to play with out of all the musicians now deceased. He thought for about 15 seconds and he said, I'd like to jam with my dad again. Of all the possible musicians that he knew, Eddie chose his dad to play with one more time. I wonder if Jan Van Halen held Eddie when he was born and wondered the exact same thing. What will this child be? Eddie Van Halen was a great musician, but he was nothing compared to what John would be. John would be the forerunner of the Messiah as the angel Gabriel told him, for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That's what the angel Gabriel told them about John. Now, just like in the story about Jesus' announcement, the narrative stops cold. And Zechariah, who has now been mute, some say deaf, for nearly a year, now that he has his voice back, what is the first thing that he does? Praises God in song. Praises God in song. That's a repentant heart, my friends. That's a heart that knows they're wrong, that has been corrected by God, that is now humble and knows God's will. And he says these words. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, 
the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. That's part one. Zechariah is basically saying God is the merciful promise keeper. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit filled Zechariah. It's the third person we have found that we've heard of in the scripture so far in Luke that has been filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit where? In the womb. The womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when she heard Mary's greetings, and now Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he praises God over what God is doing in John. Zechariah sees a real God. Do you understand that? God is real. And Zechariah, maybe for the first time in his life, realized just how real God is. He took away his ability to speak and gave it back when he was obedient and believed him. For the first time, God is real. God is real and he is involved in the lives of his people and he is merciful in keeping his promises. Just join me in this song for just a couple more minutes and we'll be done. He has visited and redeemed his people. Not just in John, but throughout history, corporately in Israel and through the patriarchs. God has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of David as he spoke by the mouth of the prophets of old and primarily what prophecy are we hearing about again? Second Samuel. Let's try it again. Second Samuel 7. Christian, burn that into your heart. That is the promise of God from the Old Testament that Christ fulfilled from a king perspective throughout all eternity. You should be able to say that in your sleep. 2 Samuel 7, 2 Samuel 7. He is the horn of salvation in the house of David as spoke by the mouth of the prophets of old. The Messiah saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. I love that. Can I get a witness? I want to be saved from people that hate me and want to hurt me and want to raise a hand against me and all who hate us because I promise you they are out there by the hundreds of thousands they are out there who hate Jesus, who are an enemy of the church, that want to see us snuffed out. They're out there. Now I want them to repent. I want them to know Christ. I want them to get right and come to him and be assimilated into the church, but I can promise you there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that will never come. They will hate God and fight his church until their last breath. And it breaks my heart. And it breaks God's heart. He takes no joy in the wicked perishing. Saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath sworn to Abraham we would be delivered from our enemies so we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all our days. That the Messiah would come and that he would make the Jewish people a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, as he said in the book of Exodus, and that all the world would be blessed through who? Abraham. And that he would provide them a place of peace and prosperity. And the only time he didn't do that was when the people did what? Broke covenant with him. 
Then he destroyed the northern kingdom. He destroyed the southern kingdom and sent them to exile, but then brought them back again. Chance after chance after chance, mercy after mercy upon mercy upon mercy and grace. That is the God we serve. Verse 76, John the prophet of the Most High God. Verse 76, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. That's why we read John today during the scripture. This is the reason why Colton read that passage, John chapter one, verses one through 13. Verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us. Who's that? Jesus. The sunrise shall visit us from on high to give what? Light. To those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zachariah, do you believe he was filled with the Spirit? <laughs> I think so. That's a mighty powerful preaching that Zacharias did for us. I mean, the joy of a son being born, that's, that, that's pretty great. That's good. But this, this is a little bit different. This goes beyond that. This is John. This will be John the Baptist. This will be the forerunner of the Messiah, the one who will usher in the promise of old of ancient of days, the one who will go to Calvary's cross and die for us that we may not know death and be eternally secure in Christ Jesus. He will be the one that will come and preach and pave the way for Jesus Christ. And of course, the personal application of that, and you'll hear this several times over the next several weeks because we're going to be on John the Baptist a little bit longer. You are you are the hands and feet of Jesus, but you are the forerunner of Christ to those who don't know him. You do realize that. There are people out there that don't know Jesus Christ, and he and God will send you to pave the way. You can pave the way. Then Jesus comes and saves them. But you must teach repentance and forgiveness of sins to pave the way and prepare their heart for Christ to save them. You can't give them the good news before you give them the what? That does not work, especially not spiritually speaking. If you do that, what you're going to do, if you give the good news before you give the bad news, you are going to fill up churches with lost people everywhere because they do not know they're lost and they need to be saved. You're going to tell them they got all the blessings before they even come to Christ. You must give the bad news before the good news. You must. Finally, verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Now, we have to do a little speculation here, okay? Because we're not given the intimate details. It's kind of like trying to understand where Paul went for three years before he came back on the scene. We don't know exactly precisely where he was and what he was doing. We know the other gospel witnesses says he was eating locusts and wild honey and lived in the desert regions. That's really all we know. What most likely happens is since Zechariah and Elizabeth are aged when he is born, what likely happens to them? They die. 
And so when they die, John, if we had to, you know, extrapolate how the religious treat people today in today's culture and go back and imagine how the religious will treat real prophets in their culture, chances are he was castigated and probably run out of town. Probably what happened. We don't know that. That's why I say this is a little speculative. But he goes to the desert region, and we know the scripture tells us that he ate locusts and wild honey and dressed like a dressed with in, in, in camel hair. Screaming, Malachi 4. Screaming, Elijah. So he goes to the desert regions for decades. Decades. Until Christ comes on the scene. And John the Baptist's message, it's about like Jonah's, right? What was John the Baptist's message, brothers and sisters, today? For those of you that might not know Jesus, John the Baptist is screaming to you this morning, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The axe is laid at the foot of the tree. Judgment is coming. Do you know Jesus Christ? Let us pray. Father, again, as always, every time I get behind this pulpit, I'm, I'm just, I just can't believe that you've called me to do this. And Lord, I, as I always pray, I, I so hope that I have honored your word today and preached it correctly and that you will bring correction to me if that is not the case. Every time we step foot in the ministries around this church and we teach the word of God, Lord, we try so hard to rightly divide it so that we have sound theology, so that we're not leading people astray into false knowledge. Lord, thank you for giving us a book as exact as Luke, an orderly account that we may read, study, follow, and understand more deeply who you are and what you've done and what you're doing. So, Father, today as we close, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Father, if they're, if they're certain they don't know you, I pray before this day is over that in however way you work in their life, that they would give their life to you, that they would come to a place of repentance of their sin, faith in your son, Jesus Christ, the one that died upon Calvary's cross and raised from the dead, they would place their faith and hope in him, forsaking all others and live a life to glorify him and take his love to others. It's just like John. Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for a moment of response today?
If you and Susan and Tom and Laverne, if y'all would come down, please, down here. Y'all can be seated right here. First, I want to introduce y'all. I want to introduce y'all to some people. Uh, this is, uh, y'all can stand up just so everybody can see you, and then you can be seated back down, Janet. Oh, sweetheart. There we go. Gotcha. All right. Y'all turn around so everybody can see this handsome, beautiful couple here. Handsome, beautiful, right, Chuck? Right? Okay. This is Chuck and Janet Dillon. Y'all have seen this big guy around here, hadn't you? Okay. Well, this is his wife, Janet. And Chuck has really been going through just a spiritual conviction. Uh, I don't know if any of you have talked to him. Uh, it's been going on for about a month. Uh, he's been up here talking to me, talking to all the staff uh, intermittently. And uh, they, they came to Discover Parkway. And I've gotten to know Janet a little bit, but I'll be getting to know her better. But um, uh, they want to join the church. But today, he just feels very convicted. Uh, that he needs to profess Christ and be forgiven for his sins. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So, looks like we're going to be filling up the baptistry here real soon. Amen? All right. So, if you would joyfully affirm their desire to join the church, would you say amen? Amen. amen. All right, y'all have a seat, Chuck. But Janet, y'all go right ahead and have a seat. All right, all y'all stand up. Now, this, this group here, y'all can turn around and face the crowd. 
All right. And these, these two couples right here, as you can tell, or if you've gotten to know them at all, they're, they're really good friends. Uh, they, they came our way, gosh, months ago. This year, oh, was it September last year? Okay, that's right. That was when you initially emailed me, I think. They have been watching online and, and coming, coming back and forth. They're just, they're just really, they love the church. They love you. Uh, they, it's just, they, they love this place. They love what's going on here. Uh, you've seen Susan in the choir. Uh, they just do. So this is uh, Philip and Susan uh, Beyer and Tom and Laverne Barton. And they all come today wanting to place their membership with us. So would you affirm that today, their decision? All right. <laughs> okay, y'all can be seated. That's it. So y'all are officially members now. It's done, okay? Done. They also came to Discover Parkway. Uh, we have uh, several others we're still talking to. Uh, I think some would have joined that day, but we're trying to, we're trying to, to develop kind of a, a smooth process here. And they were very patient and understanding about all that. And I really appreciate that out of y'all just kind of being guinea pigs for us here with the membership process. But they're just so loving and kind and caring. So uh, now I will uh, turn it over to you. And what we'll do, you guys, uh, what we're going to do is uh, we'll let you go to the back because uh, we have business meeting. Uh, now, for business meeting, uh, it's members only to discuss items for business and to vote, okay? But if you are a guest and you would like to see how business meetings go, you are welcome to stay, but we would just ask that you remain silent uh, during times of business and voting, okay? Like Zachariah, amen? <laughs> okay, all right, so uh, just so that's clear. So announcements, I guess, and we'll, we'll let them go to the back. And then anybody that leaves, you can see them. Then y'all can either sit in the back and vote if you'd like to and sit in the business meeting, or you can do whatever you want, okay? Because I want people to be able to shake your hand as they leave. So, so y'all go stand right there back to the back. We need somebody to walk with them. Tolton, who can walk with them? Dick Peach is coming, and Bill Lunders is coming. We got All right, look at there. Come on up here, Chuck. Stand up here, brother. We got some mission walk men. To the back and let people, let people see you, okay? And welcome to the church. <laughs> Philip says, we don't know the way back. Sir, I think we're out. Yeah, John's reminding me, John Upchurch, the Theophilus. He, he, no, he keeps, Theophilus. Us, he keeps us on our toes. Yes. He knows. We think we're out of towels. He was talking about towels, so I, I, we'll, we'll do that. We gotta, yeah, so if you're good at we're, knitting we're, we're or We're trying to figure the towels out. So Whatever it takes. I'm sorry. Staff oversight. So. We, we don't sew, we don't knit. We don't. I, we don't. Yeah. But these, uh, these hands Linda Lucarini do does. So there it so is. We're going to give it to her. All right, uh, so announcements. And then uh, yeah, just, just so you guys know, uh, it's real neat because Chuck, uh, the first time he came to the church, he visited our men's ministry event. And I just want to always kind of give you, educate you on the pathology of what, you know, how people come to the church uh, through ramps. I mean, we, we helped him with a ramp. We, yes. You guys, there's ministry happening here. And I just want to educate you and help you to see how people come into our, our church through service, through your, through your loving service and your dedication, your diligence. Absolutely. So we appreciate that. Uh, real quickly, Mark, you want to come up here, brother? We've got a dear brother uh, who has just been through the hardest time, and we love him, Marty Luffman. And uh, Mark took it upon himself to get a poster together to encourage our dear brother. We're called to encourage one another in Christ. And you can already see a bunch of uh, signatures on it, a bunch of notes on it of love. 
but certainly we'll make room for more. Uh, we just encourage you to come and just write a, a loving note uh, to our dear brother Marty, uh, just a get well deal and uh, continue. And he'll have that right outside of the He'll have it right outside in the foyer for you if you want to sign that. Please, please do that. Again, take time to look at the Compassion International table. We would love for you to check that out and to consider taking a child uh, home with you uh, to support them um, in that. And I think, is there anything else? We, oh, Sunday school classes. Uh, just real quickly so you know, we've got uh, your uh, left. We have Jeff Tomlinson. Uh, we'll be in the far back room. We're going to label that classroom number one. Uh, he'll be in that far back room with David Fleming and, and that class. I believe that's parents one. Uh, the next classroom right next to it, that will be, uh, be James and Carol uh, Williams. And I believe that's parents uh, two. And then right up here, we will have Young at Hearts, the next classroom closest to the drum set. That's Young at Hearts right there. That's where you guys will be. Uh, and two, by the way, we're going to get this all out by email as well, but I want to just give you an initial introduction to where everything's going to be. So Young at Hearts will be in that classroom. Uh, then you circle around. And by the way, that's, that's classrooms one, two, and three. Uh, just so you guys know. And then you come over here to the choir room. That's going to be the empty nesters with George Lang and other teachers as well. Um, and then in the very back, the last classroom, classroom number five, that will be Brandon and the young adults, okay? Um, I do want to acknowledge as well, we've had a lot of changes after COVID. There are two classes um, that we are going to encourage you to find one of these groups to be a part of. I think that was singles on Sunday, and I believe also we had the joint heirs class. And I'm just going to encourage you, please try to find one of these other classrooms. The teachers would be happy to induct you in, invite you in, welcome you. So please do that. If you have any questions about where to go and how to get where you're going, we'd be happy to answer those questions. Oh, oh absolutely, yeah. And we'll be getting more information out so you can actually see it on paper. And, of course, as these classes fill up, uh, we're just going to try to do things on an as-needed basis and try to figure it out as we go. Uh, so just so you know that. And that will be this next Sunday. Correct. May 9th. Correct. So, you know. small so no more teaching in here. Everything will be in small groups. Um, you want to, is that VBS volunteers? Okay. Uh, just, just guys, if you've uh, signed up for VBS, please make sure May 23rd, we're going to be having a volunteer meeting. Uh, we want you to be at that. So please make sure you put that on your calendar. Yeah. I was going to mention this Spanish mission, right? Yeah, yeah, Okay, I do want to let y'all know, there's been a couple questions because their, their cars are up here, and I'm sure that's causing people to wonder what's going on. Uh, the Spanish mission, when I came here, we had a Spanish mission that met in the uh, youth room back there. as Marte, uh, Marta and, and uh, Joseph, I believe were their names, great people, I met with them several times. I think they came and worshiped with us a time or two. Uh, but they, during COVID, we shut the church down, and they found a, a building that was closer to where all of them lived. Uh, so they came, called a meeting with me, and we talked about it. I was like, hey, you know, praise God, that's great. You know, so, so they, they left. No ill will, nothing like that at all. They were very happy. We were happy. No issues. They just found a place that was closer. Early this year, late last year, uh, we were contacted by another Spanish mission. Uh, with, uh, one of the pastors was named Nathan Bonilla. He's the one that's fluent in English. Uh, through a series of meetings with us, and then they, they came and met the deacons. So they are now meeting here in place of the last Spanish mission. So they meet in the same room. They meet on uh, Thursday evenings at 7, and then they meet here uh, in, the, in that room back there uh, Sundays from 2 to 4. I believe that is correct. So just wanted to let you know that. Just So if you saw cars, you would know what's going on. And praise God, we have another Spanish mission here. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> 
We also have a couple of other uh, groups that, are, that we're talking to. I don't know how fast they will materialize, but uh, the Lord is just drawing several very interesting things uh, to the church on the hill. So good things are going on. So, yeah. um, so just real quickly, I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, hop into business meeting. I want to encourage you parents. I know that our workers have been diligently uh, watching your children, loving your children, teaching your children. We encourage you, uh, before we start the business meeting, to go in there and grab your kiddos. Uh, and look, we're, we're a family church, okay? If a baby's crying in the back, we're not going to fret about it, okay? So just let's get over that. We, we love your children, okay? We want to serve your children. We want to serve your family. So please bring them back in here so that you can be a part of the business meeting, okay? Amen? We got that? And everybody, awesome. don't all y'all leave now. We've got to have a quorum. That's, that's why we moved it from Sunday night to Sunday morning was so we'd have enough people to have the meeting. If all of y'all scurry out, I guess the preaching time will be business meeting once a month. I, I mean, I, you know... Some of y'all might amen that. I don't know, but I don't want that to happen. So please, don't everybody leave, okay? All right, yeah. that's it. Uh, documents are in the back as well. Hopefully you got them through email uh, as well this week. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get in. Why don't y'all stand up so we pray, and then you can leave easy after that. And we're going to hop into business meeting after. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so very much for this day of worship, God. I, I feel like there's just been a special, um, a special deal today with the service, God. I, I feel like you were moving and... And certainly you are every Sunday and even beyond Sunday into our week, so God. But uh, I was just so very thankful for the worship team and, and how diligently and how hard they work to put together worship that would encourage us to look up and to sing praise to you. And certainly, uh, I know personally for myself, Lord, uh, I just felt like there was a deep connection today and I'm thankful uh, for an extra outpouring of your grace. And I hope and I pray that everyone else had the same experience this morning as they worshiped you, Lord. Uh, I do pray that you would uh, bless our business, uh, God, because certainly we are called to administrate. <laughs> we are called to uh, be organized in certain ways. And Lord, please help us to, to conduct our business well. Um, and uh, Lord, in a, in a fashion that would honor you, God, we love you. We praise you. Please be with the children that are uh, at the Compassion International table, Lord. We want to we want to support them. We want to love them, continue to pray for them. And I pray that uh, you would move people's hearts to take them and sponsor them, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your great grace uh, and your love. It's in your heavenly name I pray. Amen. Amen. I've got 11.33. We will begin at 11.40. Seven minutes. Check, check.